Welcome to episode 183 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we're planning a family backpacking trip with another family who has never been backpacking before. What can we do to give them a great introduction to the wilderness? Then we'll share a story from a listener about his introduction to the wild woods and backpacking. For today's backpack hack of the week, a 10-card, 17-gram micro game that will provide minutes of fun on your next backpacking trip. Ooh, minutes of fun. (laughs) All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. So one of our friends just in passing said to me, hey, my wife and I are thinking about doing some backpacking. And I was like, oh, that's great. We would love to help you. And then I saw him at a meeting that we had for a field trip that our youngest was going on along with one of his kids. And both of us were going as chaperones. And after that meeting, he told me the same thing, that they've gotten some gear and they're getting ready to go backpacking. They had bought packs for the two of them and uh, maybe a few other pieces. I think they were working on sleeping bags and maybe a tent, kind of getting some pieces together to do that first backpacking trip. And I said, well, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's pick a weekend on the calendar and let's put it kind of late spring. So we think the weather will be pretty good. And let's just do it on a Friday to Saturday. It'll just be after school and work. So let's make it nice and close. By the way, our family has a family backpacking spot that's only a half hour away from where we live. It's not spectacular, like not mountaintop views, but it's super close. It's only a mile. There's going to be plenty of room for everyone to camp. And it will let you guys have this uh, opportunity to get out for the first time in a really easy way. So we've started looking forward to this trip and we picked the weekend that we're going to do it. And then we decided, you know what, let's get together earlier that week and just bring all your gear to our house and we'll see what you've got. Any gaps, we'll we'll go ahead and fill those in. We'll just kind of get ready for the trip together. So we're really excited for this trip coming up. Our youngest can't stop talking about it (laughs) because he's so excited to go backpacking with his friend. In addition to his friend, uh, there's going to be a sister and another brother. So we'll probably have five of us. We think our daughter's going to be at work and then five of them. We've wanted to do something like this for the longest time, you know, help other people get out by actually taking them out. And I think maybe one of the roadblocks to that is you don't want to ask someone, hey, do you want to go backpacking and have them say, ew, no, (laughs) you know, like, does that mean there's no toilet, no running water, no room service, you know? So you kind of have to maybe wait for that right moment. And I feel like this is the perfect moment. Like this family is motivated. They want to experience nature and they're already kind of, um, I think they enjoy being outdoors and doing hikes and stuff. And well, they, they love seem, paddle boarding and right, all kinds stand of outdoor up activities. Paddle boarding. So they're a very active family. So yeah, we're just really excited that we're able to do this trip together. But as Josh and I were talking, we were trying to figure out what is it that we can do to ensure a successful trip? What can we do to help our friends 
want to go out backpacking and not regret all the stuff they purchased and to make them be as excited about this as we are. So for today's top five list, we'll talk about the top five things that we will do to ensure that this is a successful trip with our friends. And the very first thing Josh already kind of alluded to is gear loans. We're planning on doing a low elevation trip close to the trailhead, which means we don't need to plan for these really difficult conditions, which means we probably have enough gear to fill in the gaps where they're missing gear. They've already bought their packs for the two of them, but there's three kids and Getting packs for kids, it's just tough. Well, we've got a whole pile of packs. So we might be sharing some of our packs, the the more kid-sized packs, with their kids. We've got a whole pile of sleeping pads. We've got extra sleeping bags. They're maybe going to try some hammock camping, but I I think they only have one or two hammocks. So we've got a whole pile of hammocks as well. And of course, as we mentioned last week, the two of us are going to try sleeping under a tarp. Uh, so we'll have that taken care of. We'll have all these extra hammocks and even tents if they want tents. So we're going to have them come over the Monday before our trip, bring their gear with them. We'll see what they have and where the gaps are. And we'll just take them up to our backpacking room. Yes, it's an entire room. <laughs> it, it has grown. And we'll just pull out whatever else they need to make sure they're well equipped for the first trip. The second thing we'll do to ensure that this trip is successful is we're going to build a fire. Just a couple nights ago, I was talking with him, and he said the other night they wanted to just do a date night where they build a campfire somewhere, and they couldn't figure out where to go. There's a state park not too far away, but you have to reserve an overnight campsite in order to have a fire pit. Everything else in the day-use areas is just those uh, barbecue grills on a stand, not really for campfires. He just couldn't figure out where to go to just simply build a campfire. And so based on that conversation, I want to make sure that we have a campfire at our camp. Unfortunately, the last time our family went up to this backpacking spot, we stashed some firewood underneath a cedar tree. So hopefully it'll stay dry until we take our trip out there. And I'm guessing that most likely we'll use the fire to cook food or to heat up food. Because I really, I mean, even though it makes a mess all over the pots and everything, I think it's really fun just to use the fire and kind of be backwoodsman for a while. And uh, I think the kids will get a kick out of it too. Which leads us to the third thing that we want to do to ensure a successful trip. And that is to have memorable food. Uh, What better way to have memorable food than have a memorable cooking method for that food? Yeah, so I found out that the mom is gluten-free, but there are no other allergies among anyone else in the family. So I think we'll do something like a really hearty black bean chili, which seems to appeal to everyone, and some corn chips, and maybe I'll even bring up some fresh fruit because it's just an overnight backpacking trip. We can kind of play around a little bit with the, uh, the calorie density, I guess. And then I think I'll also bring some just after-dinner food, not all dessert, but just stuff that people can roast over the fire. Like last time we went up to our backpacking spot, we roasted dough on a stick, which was ridiculous amounts of fun. It was so delicious. It, It just seems like it wouldn't be that exciting. But when you start to see the dough brown and you can smell that biscuity flavor, oh, it's just so, so good. And it cooks fairly quickly. Uh, We also roasted little Smokies on a stick. They look like little baby hot dogs. They were so cute. And then we even roasted some old-fashioned donut holes. 
which was a regrettable mistake, I think. <laughs> I also tried roasting a cookie. They were these chocolate-covered <laughs> cookies. It was horrible. <laughs> Imagine taking a cookie and mixing it with smoke flavor, and it was just awful. Like bacon and chocolate did not go well. No. But uh, And, of course, we'll have a big bag of marshmallows and keep that going all night. But, yeah, just the gathering around the fire that... Uh, Cooking food communally, I think that'll be a lot of fun with our friends. The number four thing that we're going to do to ensure a successful trip with our friends is we're going to underwhelm them. The hike that we picked is not breathtaking. Uh, it's beautiful once you kind of get into the woods, but the first quarter mile is pretty trashy, literally. Like shotgun shells, bullet casings. I think they hauled off all the mattresses last year, but it's not a very beautiful forest welcome. Yeah, when you first get to the trailhead, you're like, ooh, is this safe? It's just, it's that trashy. And then after you get past that first quarter mile, it's okay. <laughs> and it gets back to normal, uh, beautiful woods. But this, I think, is the riskiest part of our plan for this yep. trip. We're taking them to a place that's very close to home, short hike, easy to do, but it's not spectacular on the scale of backpacking spectacularity. It, this is not a mountaintop experience or alpine or beautiful mountain lake. It's just a walk through the woods. And so there is the chance that they could go on this trip and be like, huh, okay, yeah, we put stuff on our back and we walked. We spent the night on the ground or between trees in a kind of uncomfortable place. And then we walked back and drove home. I don't really see why people love backpacking. Because, Heather, your first trip was this just overwhelmingly amazing experience with these continual views of Mount Hood, these uh, glacier runoff river crossings. There's all the ad adventure and intrigue and danger of the trip and you know, all of that packed into this amazing week-long trip. And the trip that we're doing with our friends is like I said, just walking through the woods. So there's a risk in that. However, every time I go backpacking, it has this effect on me that lightens my spirits, just brings a smile to my face, brings peace to my soul. And so I have to trust that this time backpacking is going to do all of those things, even though it's not some kind of spectacular adventure experience. Yeah, and even though my first backpacking experience was filled with adventure and vistas and just amazing moments, I still get the same thing out of smaller, simpler trips. Just that solitude and a chance to be still and listen to my own thoughts. So even though this trip is a little bit risky, taking them somewhere that's going to underwhelm them, I'm hoping that they will be overwhelmed in the right ways. Overwhelmed with the beauty and solitude and peace of the forest. And the number five thing we'll do to ensure a successful trip with our friends is to make sure there's something for everyone. I'm putting this one on me because I want everyone to have something to do, especially the kids. The, the kids have things that they'll have opportunities to do that they'll never forget. You know, that they'll be able to go pump water down at the stream or that they'll be able to sit around the campfire or I can bring some games and teach some games that I've learned recently. I'll have plenty of food, but I want there to always be something for everyone. 
And I know that's kind of a, maybe an unrealistic goal, but I'm going to try really hard. It means having something for the seven-year-olds, something for the two 10-year-olds, plus something for the 12, 13, and 15-year-old. That's quite a range. Well, uh, and then there's the adults. Which we can all just sit around and chat. We're easy to That's entertain. Easy. Yeah. But um, yeah, that there's something that I, I just hope that there's not one person who says, this is boring. Because if there is, then I haven't done my job. <laughs> but I do want everyone to feel like there is something for them out on the trail. And I think this is another area where I need to trust nature, that our kids have always found something to do out in nature all the way from our youngest to our oldest. And I have to trust that that will happen for everyone who goes out into nature. So I'm really excited about this trip, and I am looking forward to sharing what actually happens, because you know we'll have stories to tell. Well, on the first 40 miles, we love sharing listener stories. One of the reasons for this is because a story can teach so many lessons all wrapped up in one package. So one of our listeners, Jim Ball from Georgia, recorded his story about how he was introduced to backpacking. Hi, my name is Jim Ball from Leesburg, Georgia. Last August in 2017, while on Red Cross deployment to Houston for Harvey Disaster Relief, I worked in shelters with a man who is a backpacker. He shared his experience with me and invited me to join him on the last 14 sections of the Colorado Trail. We were going 235 miles in August of 2018. In January of this year, I found the first 40 miles podcast. I have been binging on them for three months. Y'all are great. I have assembled my gear and need to try it out. I'm not a novice to the outdoors, just novice to backpacking. I have planned my first outing, and I did it over this past Easter weekend. I hit the Pine Mountain Trail in FDR State Park in Georgia on Thursday, March 29th at 3 p.m. It is a 23-mile end-to-end trail with several loop trails connected to it. I was on the trail for three nights and three days. I did out and back from end-to-end, total 47 miles, my first 47 miles. By the way, I had my 59th birthday two days before I hit the trail. Thanks for letting me share. We'd like to thank Jim for sharing his story. We've been getting quite a few listener stories lately. We love them. We're going to keep sharing them on the podcast, and we'd love to hear even more. How did you get into backpacking? What was your first experience like? You can record it at thefirst40miles.com slash story. And I'll tell you, don't be too nervous. Heather is a great editor. So just push record, go for it, make mistakes. It's okay. She'll cut all the mistakes out and you will sound amazing. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, we have a micro game for you. If you're not familiar with micro games, they are 9 to 18 cards. I don't know if there's a hard and fast definition for a micro game, but They're smaller than your standard deck of cards, and the game can fit inside of your wallet. There are companies that actually, that's all they do is they sell micro games, like Button Shy is one of the companies that sells micro games. But we have a game here that you can play with just 10 cards that are pulled from a standard 52 card deck. The game is called Divide and Conquer. 
To play this game, you'll need numbers 2 through 10, taken out of the deck of cards, plus the queen. And you'll treat the queen as the number 12. Then you shuffle them up and divide the 10 cards evenly, giving each player five cards. Okay, you can look at your cards, Josh, and I'll look at my cards. And so at this point, by looking at my cards, I can deduce which cards you have. Exactly. So we have perfect information. And then we each get to decide which card we're going to play against each other. And we simultaneously play the card that we've chosen. So the player with the high card wins, unless that card can be divided evenly by the opponent's card. In that case, the player with the low card wins. So I am going to play this one right here. Okay, I've got mine. Ooh, Josh played a five and I played a four. So that means Josh wins. Now we're each going to hold on to the cards that we played and mark the score either on a piece of paper with a pencil. Yeah, or I can keep my winning cards face up and my losing cards face down. It's just so you can count up your wins at the end. So I'm going to put my losing card face down. Okay. All right, next. Ooh, I played oh. a nine and Josh played an eight. So you win. I win because... Eight cannot be divided into nine. Now, looking at the cards that I have left. Ooh. Oh, nice. six and seven. I played a six. You played a seven. You win. So far, nothing has divided anything. It's yeah. kind of. Oh, no. Oh, three and two. This I played the three, happened. so I win. Usually, something divides something. Uh. Okay, you're going to win this last one because you have a queen. I do. Which is 12 points, and I have a 10. Aha, so I win. Oh, wow. That was a really unique game. Nothing divided anything. Usually what happens is someone is like, oh, I'll play the queen because that'll beat anything. Well, then the other person, they look in their hand and they see two, three, four, six, and they have four cards there, possibly, that could beat the queen. Yeah, because it's not just that a six divides into a 12. A four divides evenly into a 12, and a three and a two, they all divide evenly into 12. So you got three points. I only got two points. So okay. the next phase of this game is we switch hands. So essentially, switching hands guarantees the quote-unquote level playing field. I get to now try to play with the same hand that Heather had on the previous round and vice versa. So I won the first round, but yeah, maybe it's because I had a better hand. Well, here's my chance to try to win the second round using the hand that Heather had. Anyway, it's a really fun, lightweight game that will just take a few minutes. And I think it's just so fun to have something like that in your pack because sometimes you just need to break up the monotony of the trail with a game. And this is ultra light, easy to play, easy to remember the rules, and it just has a little bit of skill and strategy in it and a little bit of that luck of the draw component too. We are going to be including a lot more games in future episodes. In fact, we're going to be having a special evergreen episode that focuses on small, compact, or lightweight games that you can take on the trail. Exciting stuff coming up. And we'll leave you today with a little bit of trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Henry David Thoreau. He said, We need the tonic of wildness. 
to wade sometimes in marshes where the bittern and the meadow hen lurk, and to hear the booming of the snipe, to smell the whispering sedge where only some wilder and more solitary fowl builds her nest, and the mink crawls with its belly close to the ground. We can never have enough of nature. Uh, just a side note, I didn't know that snipes boom. I, I actually couldn't find any snipe recordings that sounded like a boom. I don't know. But I did just learn what sedge means last week. Are you going to leave us all hanging? Or are you going to tell us? You I'm should tell us. leave you right? hanging. Can I give a little clue? Okay. Well, I think I remember you saying it's grass, but that it's more of a triangular shape. Well, that, that, that's kind? more than a clue. Oh, that's a that's definition. pretty much saying what it is, but it's not grass. <laughs> it's not grass. It's a sedge. Sedge is a plant that looks a lot like grass, but it's classified differently. And uh, the usual way you can tell the difference is that grasses usually have flat blades and sedges have blades that are kind of uh, triangular. They, they have a, a, a fold or a crease in them. And oftentimes sedges will have other elements of, of the number three. So they might have blades that come out at, what's 360 divided by three? Anyway, at angles. 120? Yeah, yeah, at 120 degree angles from each other. Or um, uh, the flower or, or seed pod might have a, a three, some, some element of the number three in it. Also, sedges whisper. Grasses don't. Yes, according to Thoreau, sedges whisper. Although you could probably find someone telling you that grasses whisper too. But snipes, they don't whisper. They boom. boom. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent children's book, Backpacker ABCs, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. again. Sorry. <laughs> huh. How, how could I lose twice? I thought this was supposed to be fair. What? <laughs> <laughs>